Thank you so much for joining on this Tuesday. And we've already begun off the record to discuss the pull, the pull that we feel from the world and, and from, from world events to the call from Hashem, the call which is for every single one of us to take to heart, absolutely, which is the call to change, to get up to do tshuva. We know, we know what the world revolves around. It's our actions, our choices. And Hashem's giving a wake-up call. Hashem does things we don't always understand, but one thing that's always there for us to understand is that He's calling us home. He's calling us home. And here we are, we're in the week of Aseres Yimei the ten days of repentance. It's the, literally the name of these days is the days of return. The days to return. And we have to understand that these days are extremely unique and that the gates that are thrown open during these days are phenomenal. Phenomenal. And what we can accomplish during these days is beyond what regular tshuva, of course Hashem always accepts tshuva, but there's something unique. Like like the Pasuk says, Dirshu Hashem, Dihimatsa'oi, Seek out Hashem when He can be found. The called him when he's close, and the Gemara says, "When is that?" It says, "Seek him when he can be found." Don't you want to know that he'll be found when you look? When is that time? Says the Gemara. These are the days right now between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, including Rosh Hashanah, including Yom Kippur. These are the days that Hashem can be found much easier than during the year. He can always be found. We can always do tshuva, but this time, it's like it falls in our lap. So this, if we hear that wake-up call of world events to change, if we wanted, and we wanted to do it at a time, which is the most opportune, this is a time that is extremely available for all the growth that we couldn't accomplish during the year, for all the waking up, for having Hashem accept us and erase our past and lift us to heights that we can't even fathom. This is the time. Tshuva always is that good. And this time... It's like those matching campaigns, you know? You give charity. Every dollar you give goes to a poor person. It's amazing. And then they have these charity campaigns. Four times you give a buck, it's four bucks. Twenty-five bucks, boom, it's a hundred bucks. This is, this is the charity campaign for Chuva. Alright? This is a matching campaign. You give twenty-five dollars, it's a hundred dollars. It's magnified so many more times than that. This is an unreal time of the year. And it's time to get up. Oh, guys, we got to get off the couch. It's time. We could really, really shake the world. We could change the events of the world. And above all, we can change ourselves. We have that ability. And I recall just the other day, I was thinking, now it's but this is it. Come on, Shuki, get up. Call out to your father. Fix your mistakes. This is the opportunity. And it just reminded me of a, of, a, of a story that happened in my own life. I remember I accompanied somebody. Somebody I knew had uh, outstanding traffic tickets. Now, if you leave your uh, traffic tickets, your parking tickets and things like that for too long, they apparently become a criminal offense. I didn't know that. It wasn't me. But this other individual had left them too long unpaid and it became a criminal offense and they were called to court. So I accompanied them to court. It was very interesting. It was my first, maybe my only time ever in court. Uh, and just 
it's an actual, <laughs> there's a court, there's a judge, and there's people, they obviously put a ton of people in the room, one case after the other, you know, this person on the beach after hours, this person uh, drinking alcohol in public, all those cases, those criminal infractions you know about, they were being tried right there. And among them was this person's traffic tickets. And we came to the courthouse and they weren't letting us in right away and there was a delay and the judge wasn't showing up was the problem. And then they ended up having to call in an, an interim judge from some nearby district. And I remember as we went in and we were in the hallways and the proceedings started going underway. And at one point a lawyer came out of the courtroom and they said, this is not the regular judge. It's a, it's a guest judge, an interim judge. He's giving away the farm. Something like that, some expression like that. He's giving away the farm. And sure enough, that's the way it was. When we went into the courtroom, it was this elderly black gentleman, so calm, chilled, relaxed, having a good time. And this wasn't his gig, so he didn't seem to care too much how it went. And everyone who came up, he was just being so lenient with them and letting them get off with a little tap on the wrist and, and the person I was with too, all those infractions erased, no points on the license, just a little fine. Everything was just being given away. That's just that feeling. This is a different judge. They're giving away the farm. They're giving it all away. And we have to appreciate that that's almost the sentiment right now. We went through Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Hashem's there, and it's a day where He shows His kingship and there's a certain amount of judgment. And then we have the Shoifer blows and we go through the Rosh Hashanah experience and through that, there's almost a transformation. Hashem changes and He sits on His seat of mercy and now it's like a different judge almost. And this one's given away. They're giving everything away. Now we're doing the 10 days of repentance. Everything's going and it's 98% off. This is the sale of a lifetime. This is the time to show up and walk away very, very rich and very different. And we have to remember that sometimes we get caught that if Rosh Hashanah was not a good experience, then we don't come into these days very motivated. But we have to appreciate always what Ritzmimai Zilberberg always says, which is, your Rosh Hashanah went perfect. You showed up. Hashem designed your Rosh Hashanah with all the problems and struggles, and if you didn't, weren't inspired, that's part of what Hashem makes happen. And even if we forblundered the Rosh Hashanah, we just didn't do it right. The fact is, we went through the days of Rosh Hashanah, and the Rosh Hashanah days of their own accord are so powerful that we all need to right now believe that we have been transformed by that experience. We all, just by living, being alive on those days, have truly been transformed. And that now we are ready to go into the next step, the next rung on the ladder, to climb that much higher with the next Step that Hashem is making available. And I am telling you that if you weren't able to take advantage of these days, if it was possible that one of us was totally out and that these days were meaningless to us, we wouldn't be alive. If Hashem made us wake up today, that means Aseris Yemei the ten days of transformation are for us. That's why we breathe and stand today on this day. So we must believe, no matter how Rosh Hashanah went, these days of tshuva, Return and transformation are for us. They're available to us. And we can use the infusion we got on Rosh Hashanah even if we don't feel it at all. 
to rise to the next level during these days. We must believe that. And we must begin these days recognizing the potential that's in them. We need to stir ourselves. Stir ourselves to action. We must. And to that end, I'm going to remind us. Going to remind us that as we sit in these days of golden opportunity, the power to do tshuva, to change, to return to Hashem, to walk away from our mistakes, to have Hashem bathe us in cleansing, purifying waters, to rip open our hearts for us so that we are different people. And it can happen, and it does happen, and we can make it happen. We must stir ourselves to realize that we want to take advantage of this. And therefore, I'm going to remind us of the awe-inspiring mushal, the incredible parable from the Chavetz Chaim. There was a couple, and the couple was impoverished. They were so poor, they were destitute, they were starving. And the husband hears that there is an island, a far off island. And on this island, there are diamonds laying in the street. The stones of this island are diamonds worth millions and millions of dollars. So they scrimp together just a little bit of money that they have. And he goes and he gets on a boat that's heading to this island and he tells his wife, I'll go, it'll be a few years. And his wife says, we can barely survive with you here. How are we going to survive those few years? And she's crying, but they realize there's really no choice if they stay together. Then their lives are destined for destitute forever. So crying on her husband's shoulder. She says, okay, go. We will try. We will scrape by. We'll eat out of the garbage. Whatever we have to, we will just hang in there. But you go and spend those years. Come back with those diamonds. Come back rich. So that we can live for decades. With so much wealth that we forget these days of such pain and sorrow. And the husband crying on her shoulder says, yes, of course. I hope God is with you and I will be back as soon as I can. And he gets on the boat and they travel. It's a long travel. And after a year of just traveling, finally they call out. There's land, there's shore. And they pull into dock at this fabled island. And the husband comes off. And this poor man, tattered clothing, he comes off and he cannot believe it, but it's true. There's literally right there on the beach where they dock. There's just diamonds everywhere. And he starts grabbing them and he's shoveling them in. He's going crazy. He's singing. He's sticking them in his pockets and his suitcase. Everything until he can hold no more. And he said, I cannot believe it. This was worth it. Wait till my wife sees this. Wait till my kids see this. This is going to be unbelievable. And he takes his newfound wealth of the diamonds. And he asks somebody, where is the nearest inn? He needs a place to sleep. He needs a meal to eat. And they point him. And he shows up. And he walks right in. And he's starving. And he walks right up and he says, I need a room to sleep. 
And could you please serve me a meal? I'd like lunch. This guy says, sure. Do you have any way of paying? Do I have any way of paying? Do I do I have a way of paying? Absolutely. And he takes out a huge diamond and he plunks it on the counter. And I says, Sir, I said, do you have any way of paying? Yeah, look, it's a diamond that brought up you. I says, oh, sir, that, that's a rock. That, that's a rock that has no, no value. I, I don't know where you come from, but that's a rock over here. So you need something of value. That's, that, that's a rock? Oh, oh, oh what, what's valuable here? Oh, what's money here? What's pine cones? Pine cones, yeah. You gotta pay with pine cones. Pine cones are, uh, that's the commodity here. I said, pine cones, I, I don't have anything. I, I got pine cones, I, I barely have the, the shirt on my back is threadbare. What do I do? So the innkeeper has mercy, feels bad for him. He says, you know what, listen, I'm gonna lend you, I'll lend you 20 pine cones. I'll let you stay here. You go out tomorrow. Go out and do business. And, and maybe you can build up something. I mean, you literally don't have anything. I can't leave you to starve. Just do me a favor. Don't offer anybody any more of these rocks. <laughs> you look crazy, okay? And use, the, use these pine cones and go to business. So the next day, the guy goes out and he takes his 20 pine cones and he buys a little bit. And he's able to sell it at the end of the day for a little profit. And sure enough, he comes back and he's got a little money. And he keeps going out. And he's working the market. And he's doing business. And he's doing pretty well, actually. It's the first time he ever had capital. And he ends up having sort of a good brain for this. And he starts making more money. And he pays back the innkeeper. And before long, he starts accruing real wealth. And he uses his wealth of pine cones. He buys himself a nice house and a nice carriage. And he becomes actually a fabulously wealthy person on this island. Tremendous wealth of pine cones. And then the day comes and he takes out his return ticket. Oh, this is the day I'm supposed to go home. Woohoo! Wait till I come home. He comes out in his unbelievable clothing. Ah, this is amazing. I've never had this so good. It's incredible. Let me just load up my valuables. He gets in his beautiful wagon. They drive him to port. And he gets on the boat. This is unreal. Wait till I get home. Wait till I get home. And he travels a year, he travels a year to get back home. And he pulls into port. And he feels so unbelievable, what a rich man. And he scans out in the crowd, waiting there. And there, there's a skeleton of a lady waiting with children that are barely holding on to life. And they're waiting. They've been holding on for these years, waiting, waiting. And this guy comes off, and she goes running over to him. She's barely, barely holding on. And she says, please, please tell me, did it work? Did he do it? Are you wealthy? Are our troubles over? We can barely, we don't have food. If we don't eat something soon, we're going to pass away. Tell me you came back with wealth. And the guy says, wealth? 
I have all unbelievable wealth. Where, where is it? It's in my suitcase. My suitcases are stuffed with wealth. And she goes running over with her frail fingers. And she opens up the suitcases. And out rolls the pine cones. Out comes only worthless pine cones. And she turns to her husband and her eyes are wide open and she's crying and she goes, Pine cones. Pine cones. Where are the diamonds? And in that one moment, all those years get knocked out of him. And he's back to when he left port from home. And he remembers that he was supposed to get diamonds. And he realizes that on the island he got so confused because of what they value. And he ended up stuffing pine cones in his suitcase and he came back with nothing. And his wife is crying and he's crying. I can't believe I forgot the diamonds and I only took the worthless pine cones. Oh, all where are the diamonds? They were so available and I forgot the diamonds. Says the Chavetz Chaim, Holy sweet juice. We came into this world to get the diamond. The mitzvah is the Torah, the closeness with Hashem. But on this island called earth, they tell us that diamonds are stones and that what we want is pine cones. We want green dollars. We want cars. We want houses. We want steak. We want barbecue. We want pleasure. We want comfort. Over the diamonds of the mitzvahs that Hashem gave us and put in this world, they're lying on the floor. You could scoop them up by the fistful. You could do a mitzvah for a penny. You could do a mitzvah without spending a cent. You could do kindness. You could learn Torah. You could help another Jew. You could change your character traits. Everything is available to us. He said, don't come home with pine cones. Please, holy sweet juice. Don't come back home up to heaven. Let's not go back up home to heaven. With just suitcases of pine cones. For every one of us. Thank goodness. Thank goodness we're still on the island. We didn't go back home yet. We're still alive. We're still on the island. We can hear this parable and we can wake up. We need to wake up. And realize the diamonds are still there. We can still come home wealthy. We can still stuff our pockets with diamonds. We don't have to be the person in the story. There are people who have left this world already. And they already lived through that. Thank God we are still alive. And if we are alive, 
then we have the power to change, the power to transform, the power to choose differently today than we did yesterday. And perhaps yesterday we got lost in the pine cones, but today we could choose to take diamonds. I'm not saying throw away all the pine cones. Maybe one day we will. But at least let us stuff more diamonds, more diamonds, less pine cones and more diamonds. Less pine cones every day, a little more diamonds, more and more diamonds. These are the days of tshuva. These are the days of transformation. These are the days that we have the power and Hashem is helping us. He's shining a light into our soul to help us wake up and realize we forgot the diamonds, but we're still alive. We could change it all. We could transform it all back into diamonds. We could live a life that's enjoyable and pleasurable and good so that we feel emotionally healthy and content this is not about running away and not eating. You can be normal, but we can also and even put a priority on the Heilige, holy, holy diamonds. We don't want to come home and be crying when they say, where are the diamonds? I gave you so much diamonds. They were on the floor. You didn't put them in your pocket. How could that happen? Grab the diamonds. Let's grab the diamonds. We still have the chance, and these days are the unbelievable chance. I feel like the days, the concept of tshuva, of repentance, is almost the added element in the story. That not only all the diamonds you could collect, not only all the diamonds, but all the mistakes we made. If we're still alive, if we're still on the diamond, on the island, there's a money changer there. And you could go and say, here's all my pine cones, could you trade them for diamonds? As long as we're alive, we have a power of transformation to take our mistakes and have them become diamonds through tshuva, through telling Hashem we're sorry, we wish we didn't do it, we'll do better. And here I'm not talking about just having pleasure, I'm talking about sins. If we do sins, sins which are worse than pine cones, we're talking about really getting lost in something that's bad for us. Real mistakes, but they don't have to come with us. They don't have to come home with us. There's a money changer. The money changer is called tshuva, repentance, return to Hashem. And when you come to the money changer called tshuva, and you go to Hashem, Hashem is the money changer, and you say, I'm sorry, I, I wish I didn't get stuck in this, I wish I took diamonds instead. And from now on I pledge that I won't make that mistake again. And Hashem says, okay, let me have that sin. And He takes it, puts it away, and He gives you a diamond instead. So if we are alive during these days, let's wake up from this parable and let's go back to the money changer Hashem and trade in all, all of those moments we did where we discarded the diamonds and in fact we took worse. We took things that were rancid. We could change them into diamonds. All of those which are worthless in the next world we could trade in for something worth so much through tshuva. And I want to read to you. There's an unbelievable part 
of the Sefer Chayvah Salvavah called The Gate of Repentance. And in it, he has a plea to every one of us that we should return. And I want to read to you a little bit, just a couple of lines. Listen to how he describes what it means to return. You have within you, my brother, a precious and honorable soul. Yet with it, you have paid honor to this lowly, transitory world, ignoring the future final abode reserved for you. Exactly like that parable. We have in us, he says, a precious and honorable soul, but yet with it, we're getting lost in this world with this, which is so worthless. But then listen to what he says. The call to every one of us, stir during these days. Let's get off the couch. Let's move. We can do it. I believe we can. Listen to his words. Should you not uplift your soul to that noble and lofty place where the souls that ascend are never again brought low? He's calling to us. You have something that's so precious, a soul that's so unbelievable. Why are you letting it get stuck in the mud? Shouldn't you lift it up to that noble and lofty place where the souls that ascend are never again brought low? That we could change ourselves and bring ourselves back up to go to a place where we're, where we're stuck onto Hashem and we never have to fall again. Remember, he's not talking about the person who didn't make a mistake. He's talking about us. This is in the gate of repentance. He's talking about people who really messed up. He said, but don't you want to lift your soul back up? Your soul is so great. Lift it up. Lift it back up to be what it really is. Hurry while the gate of repentance is open and acceptance and atonement can be found as it says, seek God while he is found, call for him while he is near. The exact Pasuk we said, which is talking about even more than ever, these days, hurry while the gate of repentance is open. This is our time. Change in the pine cones for diamonds. We can do it. We have a soul which is so lofty. It behooves us to get it out of the mud and put it back in the lofty state where it belongs, where we can bask with Hashem forever in bliss. And then he gives a parable, a powerful parable. Because maybe you think it's too late. Maybe you think you spent so many decades. If only I heard this class 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. I've already done so much wrong. It's over for me. And he says... Never let the inner voice mislead you and say after so long, how can I return to God and seek forgiveness? Never say that, he says, and he gives a parable. He says there's a fellow who has a bunch of golden coins and they're tasked with getting across this river to their destination. And they take their entire lot of golden coins and they sit there throwing them one by one in the river to try and make a bridge to cross. And as you can imagine... It's an exercise in vain. And they sit there tossing one gold coin in after the other. Nothing. He says, but then, with their last golden coin, listen to what he says. When he realizes that it's not going to get him across the river, with his last golden coin, he calls out to a boatman who was on the river. And he says, take this golden coin, which I have in my hand, and take me across the river in your boat. 
The boatman did so and brought him to his destination, thanks to the one remaining gold coin. And so, with the last gold coin, he accomplished what he failed to achieve with all the coins he lost in the river. And it's as if he lost nothing. Because he got there with the last gold coin, he got there. Listen to what he says. The same is true of a penitent, somebody who returns to Hashem, even if he spent most of his days immersed in what is not the service of God, when he turns back in repentance at the end of his life, the Creator forgives him all his past misdeeds and committed that he committed over his lifetime. And he says none of the sins he committed will be held against him. That with our last golden coin, and thank God in Mirz Hashem will all have many chances and many more golden coin, many more chances for diamonds. But it doesn't matter how many decades pass before today. Today, we have a golden coin in our hand. It's called today, and it's called tshuva. We have a day of life. Every day of life, every moment of life is a golden coin. What are we going to do with it? How many have we thrown into the sea already and seen no benefit? But with this golden coin that we hold in our hands today, we could call out to the boatman. And get to the other side, we could call out to Hashem, Hashem, with this golden coin, meaning this moment of life, I tell you, Hashem, please help me cross. Help me be with you. I'm sorry for what I did wrong. I want to change. I want to transform. And we will get to the other side and we can transform with the money changer all of the bad deeds into diamonds. And like the the Chavisavavah says, it's as if we lost nothing. That's the power of tshuva. That's the power of transformation that we could go through. The metamorphosis. That is the power of tshuva. And these days, hurry while the gates are open more than ever. Let's grab these days. Let's grab these days. Unbelievable days. We have to remember that doing repentance, doing tshuva, sometimes we feel like we're second fiddle. Like, oh, I made a mistake, I come back, so Hashem will be like, I forgive you, but uh, I really don't like you anymore. No. Tshuva is so great to the point that our rabbis tell us that the place where somebody who does tshuva stands, even the perfectly righteous can't stand. And there's the incredible parable that the Arches Tzedekim, not parable, I'm sorry, the incredible episode that the Arches Tzedekim brings down in the Medrash, I'll try and say it briefly, Just so we understand how great tshuva is. We must understand tshuva. You know, I always like to say, tshuva is so great, returning to Hashem after a mistake is so great, that it would almost be worth making a mistake so we could do it. Now we can't do that. We're not allowed. But, no worries, all of us have mistakes. So we are lucky enough to be able to do the incredible act of worship of God and elevation called return. Return is not the same as just being. Return is magnificent. It is connection to Hashem. We should never ever think that we're second. And he quotes this unbelievable medrash, and I'll say it super briefly, but it's worth looking up in the Archa Tzedekim, Shara Tshuva, also his gate of repentance. And he says how Moshe Rabbeinu, when he went up to get the Torah, he went through all seven heavens to get to God's throne. And he said on each level of heaven, he saw unbelievable angels. And each level he ascended, he saw the angels would take out a Torah and they would read. From the subsequent day of creation, on level one of heaven, they would take out a Torah and read about day one of creation. 
And then they would talk about something. Every time, each level, they would read the Torah about day one, day two, day three of creation, and then they would stop and talk about something. In heaven, angels, this is what they're talking about. And on level one, they stopped and they spoke about the greatness of the Torah. And on level two, getting higher and higher, closer to Hashem's throne, they spoke about the greatness of Torah and the Jews. On level three, they spoke about the greatness of Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. On level four, they spoke about the greatness of Mashiach, the Messiah. All makes sense, right? These are super cool things, super great things. On the next level, fifth level, they spoke about the pain that's in Gehenna, the place of punishment in the world to come, which just shows you how that place is good for us because it gets us into paradise. And then on level six, they spoke about Ganeda in paradise. And they asked Hashem to place all the Jews in paradise. And now he comes up to the seventh level of heaven where God's throne is. And it says over there he saw all sorts of unbelievable angels. Unbelievable angels. And angels of mercy and angels of kindness and charity. And angels that were shaking and sweating. It was such a holy place that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't handle it. And he grabbed on to Hashem's throne. That's how powerful this place was, the seventh level of heaven. And there they opened up a Torah and they began to read about Shabbos itself, and they're reading about Shabbos and these unbelievable angels of fire and shaking and quaking and Moshe Rabbeinu, it's too much for him, he's holding on to God's throne itself and then they stop reading about Shabbos and they begin to speak, they begin to speak about the greatness of Tshuva, about the greatness of return to Hashem, about the greatness of somebody who failed, who fell, who messed up, and returned in the seventh level of heaven, after all those other things they talk about, on the highest they talk about, Tshuva. It's no second fiddle. It's greatness itself. To return to Hashem is greatness itself. Like it says, Shuva Yisrael Ad Hashem Lekecha. That one who does Tshuva returns all the way back to Hashem's throne itself. All the way back. Back and even greater. And the Lukut Maril says something amazing about the greatness of what it means to do Tshuva. We know on Rosh Hashanah, there were three books open. The book of the righteous, the book of the wicked, and the book of those in between. So the book of the righteous are those who are righteous. They get written in that book. The book of the wicked are those who are wicked. They get written in that book. And the book of in between are not written because they're exactly half and half, whatever that means, in their merits and demerits. And therefore, they're on hold to see what they do during the days that we're in right now. So Lukut Maril says, I don't understand. Why do you need another book? Why do you need a book for the ones who are in between? Just wait and see. See what they do over the next few days. And if they do bad, they get written in the book of the wicked. And if they do good, they're in the book of the righteous. If they do tshuva, return from their wicked ways, put them in the book of the righteous. Why do you need a third book called the book of those who were in between? And listen to what the Lakutim Ariel says. He says, 
That because those who over the next days after Rosh Hashanah return from their mistakes, they do tshuva. They can't go in the book of the righteous because they're greater than the righteous. They are balei tshuva. People who have done tshuva, who have returned to Hashem after failing, those people are greater than righteous. They need their own book. The book of those who have returned. What an unbelievable statement. So, hopefully, we are feeling a little bit that this time is a time of opportunity. And hopefully we're feeling ourselves wake up a little bit to feel like we, we need to do this. We need to get those diamonds. We need to transform. And it's not a bidyeved. It's not second fiddle. It's unbelievable opportunity and Hashem loves it when we return and it makes us even more magnificent than ever before. So now let's talk a little bit about changing. Let's talk about doing it. We can't turn around our lives on a dime. It's not Realistic. Now, I don't mean we can't. There are rare occurrences in our life and maybe moments of particular inspiration when we're able to take off a solid chunk and do a big transformation. And some of the people in this group have done that at one stage of their life. And that's incredible. But every year when we come to Rosh Hashanah and we come to these days, we can't necessarily expect to do something that's going to make us unrecognizable tomorrow just by doing something today. So what are we really looking when? We talk about change and transformation, everything we just spoke about. We need to realize that true change comes in small steps. Small steps. Now, small steps should not be confused with big dreams. We must have huge dreams. And part of the tshuva during these days is to regain our passion for what we want to be, and for our closeness with Hashem, and we spoke about that in other class, getting our core values back on track. That's the big change. But in terms of our actual actions, they're going to have to be small. Because in order for them to be real and lasting, and manageable, they're going to be small. But I want us to understand something. That when we think during this week, what changes can I make in my life? What small changes can I make? Do not underestimate small changes. Firstly, small changes accumulate and create tremendous results. And once they start snowballing, each time we add a little more, then they start to get exponential power and all of a sudden they can create one of those bigger changes just by all those little pieces coming together. So do not underestimate the little guy. Do not. That would be a terrible error. It's the little guys that win. Okay? The little changes. Keep on doing these little changes. Keep adding them. And they create big results. But secondly, we must understand and remember the parable I always like to say from my brother, Rav Shlema. If I came to you and I told you I moved a piece of paper an inch, you would not be impressed. But if I came to you and tell you, you see Mount Everest over there? You see it? Okay, now keep your eye on it. I run over and I push on Everest and I move it an inch. It would blow your mind. It would be on the cover of every magazine in the world. A man moved Mount Everest an inch. 
Changing yourself is moving Everest. Human nature is tough. And the world is stacked against us. If you can change just an inch, know that you have just moved Everest an inch. You are Hercules. You are tremendous. And therefore, don't think that small is small. Small is huge. To do something small, one change, one little shift to decide that I'll try and work on my anger a little bit. Or I'll try and pursue good a little bit more. I'll try and adopt a little bit more prayer. I'll try and adopt a little bit more study. I'll try and develop a little bit more patience. A little bit more generosity. Give a little bit more charity. These changes are not small. You are moving Everest. Everything is pushing the other way. And you swim upstream. It's tremendous. And the holiness it brings into you is tremendous. And the transformation it brings into you is tremendous. And that will accumulate with other changes you make. And who knows where that will go. But that in and of itself is moving Everest. You deserve a medal of honor. So small changes and celebrate every single one of those small changes. One of the best tactics of the Yitzhahara is to say that what you're doing is not worth celebrating. And therefore you've got to go swing the other way. Celebrate it. Play the music and dance. I kid you not. Treat yourself to a celebratory steak dinner if you did a small change. You deserve it. And you need to hammer into yourself. We all need that. To realize that small is very, very big. It's huge. So we got to go small and tremendous. So every one of us, there's no way we could do this in a class. Every one of us needs to stop and examine ourselves. We need to find patterns. Like my grandfather said, most of our mistakes are in patterns. I always get angry when I come home. I always get uh, uh, triggered when a certain event happens. I, I feel myself very stingy with my money. I feel myself very lazy. Uh, or certain scenarios make me very disinterested. We, we have patterns. Certain things make me run after them and I just can't hold back. And we have to examine ourselves, every one of us, identify some of those patterns, flaws that are in us, and then try to implement real change. Something that can help. Knowledge that can help us circumvent the problem, give us a new perspective that may help us avoid it, or other tactics now you may say, hey, you can't just throw that out there. Examine, identify, change. I don't know how to examine myself. I don't know how to identify problems. And I don't know how to change. Excellent. And that brings me to something that I'm going to put so much weight behind right now. Okay? It's true. So many of us want to change, but we don't even know what to think about. We don't know how to change. We don't know where to go with it. So I'm so motivated, Rabbi. You got me fired up, but I don't know where to go. And therefore, I'm going to talk to you right now about one change. One change which I want to really give my back into right now. And this is a change. There are certain changes you can make which are very small, which have unbelievable dividends, because the ripple effects are very lasting and keep growing bigger and bigger. And I'm going to talk to you about one of those right now. Because it's true. So many times we don't know how to change. And even if we do today, by tomorrow we forget it. In a week we're uninspired. And therefore, 
I want to talk about a change that my Rebbeim, my rabbis used to talk about as perhaps the most powerful one we can make in our life. And that is to decide to study a safer, a Torah book that teaches how to grow, to commit, to make a change in our life today, that we will study such a book for five minutes, ten minutes, every single day. I'm going to say five minutes. Let's start with just five minutes. I'm going to do five minutes, or if it's easier to identify pages, five pages, three pages. Every day. And what this does is, when we want to change, but we don't have the tools, because we don't know how to examine, we don't know what to think about, we don't know how to, we don't know how to put change into practice, these books are, are designed to teach us how to do it, how to examine ourselves. So if you say, my change is that I'm going to start studying that book, well, what you just did is started a chain reaction that in a year you'll have all the knowledge, so much more knowledge that you need, and so much more ability to implement it, and the inspiration that will keep feeding you from that book you read. So, if we don't know what to do, it's an unbelievable piece of advice is that you don't have to do it alone. Find the book and read it every day. But now I want to say that I'm really saying this to every one of us. Because even if we do know changes and we do know, the fact is inspiration runs out and knowledge runs out. The single most powerful thing you can do to transform your life is to take a book which lights a fire and opens your eyes. And commit to reading it for five minutes every day. And I want to say that I am going to launch right now in this class an initiative. Because the book, everyone could choose. There's so many good books and so many good things. But I'm going to push one that I'm a tremendous fan of. And I've called it many times before a handbook for life. There's a book called Masilas Yisharim. The Path of the Just. The Book of the Upright. They call it different names. I honestly believe that for every single one of us, no matter who you are, the most experienced person in change, or the most novel. It doesn't matter. That reading, committing, right now during our service of but to saying, I will read that book for five minutes every day. I am willing to give my full backing. That will transform who we are. If we don't have knowledge, it will give us knowledge. If we do have knowledge, it will expand our mind even more and give us the continued inspiration because we want to do changes now that will last us all the way till next Rosh Hashanah and continue to build. This is one of them. I really believe this is the one of the single most powerful ones that you can do. And so listen to what I'm saying. Text me, WhatsApp me, or email me. My phone, whoever listens to this year, I don't care if you're not in it live, if you hear it in, in five years, you hear a recording of this year. My number is 347-706-5620. 347-706-5620. My email, Rabbi Nissan. R-A-B-B-I-N-I-S-S-A-N at MemphisKoilel.org M-E-M-P-H-I-S-K-O-L-L-E-L Do you hear me? Dot org. Email me. Text me. WhatsApp me. That you are willing to commit to reading five minutes a day for 40 days straight. And I will get a sponsor. I'm telling you I will. I will get sponsored a book for you. And I'm preferably talking about the art scroll has a translation. I find the translation to be magnificent of the book, Mrs. Sharm. The footnotes are fantastic. You can read it in Hebrew with the English or just English. I don't care. 
five minutes of this book every day, three pages a day, is something we could do now that will have a ripple effect. It's small. It's small. It's five minutes. But it's not small at all. And everybody needs to look at their life and figure out their own small steps. I'm not saying this is the only one. But I'm saying whatever you're doing, I'm telling you add this one to the list. Add this one to the list. Add this. And there's so much, once you see the Mr. Sharm, you'll realize there's endless amounts of information, there's endless amounts of commentaries on it. But start with the book. Rabbi Victor Miller has an unbelievable, if you've read the Mr. Sharm, if you know it backwards and forwards, firstly read it again, and I'm telling you if, you, if you've read it, read it again, and you'll see new insight. But, if you want something that will blow your mind, get the Aura Vigdor, Mishil Shisharim. I'm telling you, it'll give you a new relationship with the book that you never had before. So whoever ever hears this year, reach out to me. I will get you a book for free. I will get you one of these books. If you will commit to reading it for just 40 days. This is a small step. Small steps, though, will change who we are. I'm telling you, Anybody you know who has transformed their lives, I guarantee you, is what it was with small steps. And above all small steps is this one. The small step to introduce something into your life that keeps you going and growing. And I'm saying, today, I'm pushing Masila Susharam. I believe that book is up there on one of the top, should be on the top of everyone's list. There are other unbelievable ones. Today I'm pushing Mrs. Sharm. I truly believe in it. Please don't be ashamed. Reach out to me. I want to get you that book. I beg you, even if you just think you could commit, please, I want to get you that book. Reach out to me. I just want to give one other type of small step, which is important to realize when we talk about changes. Small steps are huge steps. Move Everest an inch. It's tremendous. There's another one that is often overlooked and we don't like to do it because we think it's, it's pathetic and wimpy. And this is called avoid Nisayan. Avoid the challenge. Avoid the challenge. But we think that's not, that's not cool. That's not strong. No, that's being a hero. That's real growth. When you identify the problem and you realize, hey, I always get triggered when I come home and I'm hungry. And then I don't have patience for everybody. So I want to tell you something. Go get yourself a bag of cookies and eat it before you come home. And I'm telling you, that's an unbelievable change. To identify a weak spot. To realize whenever a certain topic comes up in conversation, I end up getting jealous or angry. Or when certain topics come up, they lead me to speak lush and horror about people. Identify what the problem is. You realize, you know what? Once I sit on the couch, I realize I don't get up again. That's it for the evening. Okay. Well, decide then. I'm pushing off my couch sitting time by 20 minutes and I'll do something good during those 20 minutes. Or whatever it is, right? The point is identify the problem and avoid the triggers. Move the line of scrimmage. There is no mitzvah to go behind enemy lines and then get killed. Greatness is knowing your enemy and keeping him far away. And that is true growth and greatness. And it's a small step. You know why? Because since you avoid the conflict, it never even feels 
like a struggle, the throes of death. It doesn't have to feel that way because you steer it so clear of it. If you're if you're a guy, somebody who gets stuck on their phone, and this is for people who are not even in our class, especially men, get stuck seeing inappropriate things on their phone, have somebody lock some of the features on your phone. It's a small step. It takes five minutes of inspiration to say, I'm going to get it locked. You quickly give it to someone. They lock it. It's a small step. But boom, the ripple effects. It changes who you are. It opens up your life. And who knows where you'll go from there. It's a small step. You don't have to be sitting there on the wrong thing and having to turn away. That makes you a hero, no doubt. But you're also a hero if you figure out how to avoid the challenge in the first place. And tremendous amount of success and real growth and tshuva is once we identify where we fail, is to not go there anymore. So realize small steps are tremendous. Five minutes of Mesir Sharm, let me buy you that book, I beg you. It will not only be a great acceptance, but it will also open our eyes to how we can grow even more beyond this class. Because this class ends in one minute. But that book will be with you forever. And avoid the challenge. When you identify a challenge, avoid a challenge and don't feel like a wimp. Celebrate that. When you avoid a challenge, steak dinner. Steak dinner. Celebrate. You avoided a pitfall. You're a hero. You moved Everest. This is tshuva. This is what it means to change. We have a burning passion to be with Hashem. We know our priorities, but then we change little by little and that equals the tremendous change we have. This is the time, my friends, what I'm talking to you now is real, real, real growth. Small, powerful steps to transform your life. And you take this and think about it on your own and think of your own applications of the small steps that will make you greater. Because this is the time when those pine cones can be turned into diamonds. We are still on the island. We can still get it all. And now, during this time of year, we need to realize Rosh Hashanah, the world was just created. It's a brand new world. It's a brand new you. You're not the same you from before Rosh Hashanah. You can be somebody totally different. You could create a new world right now. You, right now, with what you just decide to accept in your life. Small changes, but like, like, like the beginning of the formation of a world, a small change, a little deviation gives a totally different picture in the end. One small change now, as the world is being formed again for the new year, leads to unbelievable results. Change yourself. Move yourself an inch. Me, I've got to get off the couch. Let's get up together. Let's do it. And we have to believe that we can. We must believe in the power of change. The power of the human spirit. The power of the soul that's in every one of us that will go and grow and become a burning fire if we just feed it. And we must believe, above all, in the power of Hashem. That Hashem has told us time and again that if we return, if we do what we can, if we take one little step to Him, He will scoop us up and carry us millions and millions of miles, so much further than we thought possible, until we reach all the way to His holy throne. So during these times of transformation, of metamorphosis, of true, unbelievable change, through small, powerful steps, may we all merit and have the strength and the inspiration, and the joy, enthusiasm to get up and to begin this journey, to take advantage of this time of year when Hashem can be found so easily to scoop up the diamonds, to implement real, impactful change. And I'm begging you to please pledge yourself to read the safer. Let me get you the book. 347 
706-5620. Call me, text me, WhatsApp me. Let's do this together. Five minutes a day to change our lives. And with that and everything else that you decide to do during this time, God willing, Hashem will see that and rejoice in the return of His children because return is so great. And He will lift us up to reach the heights to which we know we are able to reach. And God willing, that will give us the merit to have a beautiful year of such health, wealth, success, happiness, and above all, the unbelievable and never-ending closeness and bliss of our connection with our Holy Creator, Hashem, our God, the love of our life.